All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. And this is the A, our first A for 2018, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We have the artistic director of Plethos. Karen Ritchie, or Corinne Ritchie. Corinne Ritchie, yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. Happy 2018. And yeah. uh, did everyone have a wonderful Christmas and holidays and Kwanzaa and uh, all that stuff? All. Yeah. <laughs> One way or another. Exactly. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I uh, escaped uh, Washington, D.C. I shouldn't say escape, but uh, just uh, apparently it's really, really bad. What are they calling it? A bomb blizzard or something like that? I uh, I just saw a headline for Arctic something. I was like, okay, you call something Arctic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right, exactly. It's it's pretty bad. I saw a picture of a car in Boston, and it's encased in ice. I mean, really, just the first the roof of it is is visible, but everything else is just mm-hmm. completely encased. So things are really really bad over there. So how is your as I always stay, Norman? How is your uh, <laughs> week or the last uh, couple of weeks? Well, so one of the things... Well, actually, week, because we, we, we had one on... We got one as soon as you got back, right? Yeah. We, we finished off the year, and now we're starting the new year. Yep. Um, yeah, and the new year was cool. We, my wife and I, tend to uh, do a big bike ride on these holidays, mm-hmm. especially, you know, if there isn't something sp- we're specifically doing, that's, that's what we do. And it's a little weird to go from New Year's Eve, where you were partying until midnight, to get up the next morning and take a big bike ride. <laughs> But we did. We went all the way across the Golden Gate Bridge. Nice. Wow. You know, rode down to Embark, uh, rode down to Bart, got off at Embarcadero, rode mm-hmm. the Embarcadero, which is gorgeous. So you made it to Alcatraz, right? Or no, you it, can't get to Alcatraz. That's an island. Okay, you can try. But, but there's an there's an island, isn't there? An island? What what, what is that island? That cause there's the bridge. Treasure Island. Treasure Island. That's what I meant. No, that's the Bay Bridge. Okay, but we went to right. the, and we oh, did that bridge. for Christmas. Got it. Mm. But um, no, for uh, New Year's we went Golden Gate Bridge, and then on the other side. If you get off the Golden Gate Bridge and you go right, there's an observation point and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you go under the freeway and go up to the other side, the Pacific Ocean side, there's a higher observation point. You can see the bridge with the city in the background. It's, it's I'm much sure it's beautiful, really, really beautiful. But it's a hard bike ride. So mm, yeah. we pumped our way all the way up that hill, and there was a line of cars all the way up and a line of cars all the way down, just barely moving. So we get to the top, and this lady's like, oh, that must be dangerous on bikes. It's like the cars are barely moving. There's nothing dangerous about it at all. But, yeah, that was beautiful. And then, yeah, just, um, oh, gosh, you know, I know back east it might be miserable, but we got rain. We got an earthquake. That's 20, right. 2018 is Was it 4.7? Yeah. Yeah, I I did a uh, I posted a um, I, immediately when I got up, I was like, I gotta be the first on Facebook. <laughs> oh, did you? And um, I don't know if I was the first or whatever, but it you were really pretty quick. Shook. You were pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it was the first time that the building literally shook. Right? Did you, Corinne? I know you're at a uh, Union City, right? Uh, so we're in Castro Valley. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we definitely felt it. I was in a, a, a REM sleep. I was out. <laughs> I was dreaming. I was in the middle of a really good one. And mm. then uh, I, I discovered because of this earthquake that my cat-like reflexes are working like a charm. Because uh, <laughs> as soon as the shaking started, I sprung into action and dug my claws into my husband's back. I'm like, oh, good. I'm glad those work. I'm glad that those work. Work just like they're supposed to. That's great. <laughs> now, see, that's love. You allow your wife to just, you know, dive right into you. Well, I, I sort of I did something similar and didn't, not conscious at right, all. Right. I felt it. And I rolled over and I just grabbed her 
Mm-hmm. Like that's going to do anything. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when they find our bodies entwined, it will be a story of doomed love. But, yeah. You know, and, I, and normally I would. I would jump up and I'd be ready. Should I do something? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm holding her. Like, this is going to save me. Like, yeah. somehow. <laughs> now, we have, we have Craig Dickerson and EJ uh, in the background there. Did you guys feel the quake at all? Yes. Yeah. I think I dreamt that it happened. Yeah. I thought someone crashed into my car. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, oh. Now, what do they call it? Lucid sleep. I mean, sometimes I'll sleep, but I'll mm-hmm. realize that I'm awake or whatever. But sometimes the right. events that happen can affect my dreaming. So right. sometimes my dreams will, you know, take on weird, yeah, I don't know, incons- instances when things happen. So I don't know if it, that happens to you guys. If you guys sometimes incorporated the quake within your dream, not quakes. I, I don't with quakes, but I have gotten to the point where, like, I. Mara immediately jumped on Facebook, so she did say you were one of the first three people that she saw to post. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to kind of just, I looked, uh, next day I looked at all these things in the feed, and I'm like, wow, my tendency is to go, this one's not bad, and roll back over, or I'm in a safe place, and I'm thinking about what I need (laughs) to grab if this building starts falling down. Yeah. And this time it really was neither of those. I just got like, oh, I'm just hunkering down. It's an earthquake. It's no big deal. It'll be over. Yeah. So yeah. I'm seeing all these people go, oh, my God, did you feel that? Is everyone okay? Is everyone safe? <laughs> <laughs> and those are usually folks who don't live here. Right. I haven't yeah. heard right. of a broken something yet. Has exactly. anybody heard of anything even breaking? Oh, oh, I Our definitely medicine heard. cabinet popped open. That was the worst that happened. I, I heard people are still digging through the wreckage of stuff that fell off their dresser, you know? So we got to really be sensitive to those yeah. people. Like, we, we really do. Right, exactly. Yeah, we, we survived. I mean, that, that's hardly – trust me, if I had to choose between, you know, a bomb, you know, right. blizzard – Happening on the East Coast in a little quake, right. which happens in a couple of seconds. I think, you know, I'd prefer to be here. Right. 50 <laughs> degrees or 50 degrees below. Right. Which would you rather? Right, right, right exactly. So, um, Corinne, you are the artistic director of Plethos, and uh, tell me a little bit about Plethos. Yeah, so um, Plethos Productions is brand spanking new, and it's based out of Castro Valley, but we hope to take our shows on the road and um, really explore the whole East Bay and think about how do we bring fresh, innovative, and diverse theater performances and uh, and more than just plays, improv and stand-up and live performances of all kinds yeah. uh, throughout the East Bay. That's that's the goal. So, so what inspired <laughs> it? What, what got you started on this track? Yeah, so um, I have a long history with theater. I was cast as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz when I was 10, and I just absolutely fell in love with it and did mm. three shows a year, every year from age 10 Were to you 21. Dorothy? I was Dorothy. All right. And uh, yeah, so, and I just, I thought it was great. Um, and so I did, I, yeah, I did all these shows up through college. And, um, but once I hit high school, I started writing, directing, producing. And that's when I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. At some point, I want to start my own community theater. Like, it's great to be an actor and kind of just get in where you fit in and do your little piece. But I'm like, you know, I want to see what else is out there. I want to do more than just say my lines. I want to be the one choosing the show. I want to be the one telling the world telling the world about what we're doing and um, and, and doing something great. And so over the summer, or I guess like it's spring of last year, um, I decided to step out of the performance side, and it was sad, and it was like I, I felt like someone had died in a way of like, oh, I'm not mm-hmm. going to perform anymore. Like, what am I going to do? And I was like, you know, I've been talking for 10 years about how my, li- not, my life won't be complete until I try to start my own community theater, and it just felt like this is the time. This is the time. So, awesome. Yeah. Reminds me of someone I know who created mm. Oakland Public Theater. Ah. <laughs> I was telling Craig about that while we were getting ready today. 
that um, I had access to a space, and this guy said, well, you should start a theater company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as soon as I did, the first thing that happened is he said, oh, but the space isn't available that weekend. I'm like, oh. Right? <laughs> first thing I had to do was go scramble and find a new space. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when I think about it, I haven't gotten to the stage of my life where I think, I mean, I guess when I started, I guess, writing, I said to myself, you know, I'm doing all of this stuff as an actor, but does it really represent me? Mm-hmm. So, Corinne, I mean, <clears throat> is that another reason why Plethos exists? Because, you know, now you can sort of create, or the community that that is Plethos can create something that belongs to them. Absolutely. And, and so Plethos is an ancient Greek word. So it's ancient Greek, just like theater, and it means multitude of people. It's plurality. It's mm. everyone. It's all y'all. That's, that's awesome. The, and awesome. That's, that's really near and dear to my heart. You know, um, I, I want to create unity. I think we're in a time that's so divided and uh, where there's just these hard lines in the sand. But there's so much out there to divide people. And so it's near and dear to my heart to say, what's going to bring us together? And um, what I think would do that is is something fun, like talent and celebrating talent in all the colors, shapes, sizes, and forms that it comes in. And um, and I, I'm so glad EJ's here. I'm definitely going to pick his brain about Ubuntu because they are doing incredible work out in Oakland. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, about well, there's another. Uh, oh, I'm also a new company member. Oh, and a new. That's yeah. I definitely wanted to want to learn because I was so inspired to about the mission and vision of Ubuntu, and I want to do something similar in in Castro Valley and in our little mm-hmm. East Bay area. How do we get um, performers of all walks and li- walks of life and backgrounds, and how do we celebrate talent in all of its forms and give mm-hmm. audience is the opportunity to see the most talented people regardless of the traditional casting barriers that can stand in the mm-hmm. way. Is oh. there... Go ahead. No, I was going to ask, how big is Ubuntu? I mean, how many members are there? Not are Ubuntu. I'm sorry. Plathos, yes. So Plathos, uh, it, it's it's small but mighty. That's what I will say. It's, mm-hmm. uh, so my husband and I kind of started with an idea back in the summertime and then reached out. Like you said, it's space is the first thing. How do we find a place? And mm-hmm. so we were really blessed to connect with Small Town Society a good friend of ours, Paul Kime, runs that. It's a communal art space in Castro Valley. Mm-hmm. And um, he heard the mission and vision of Plathos and was like, yes, you can use our space for rehearsals, performances, events, whatever you want. And so that was sort of our first connection. Mm-hmm. And then I reached out to a bunch of p- performers that I've worked with over the years and uh, just saying, hey, if I started a community theater company, would you be involved in any way, shape, or form? And I had about 30 folks say, yes, I, I would love to be involved in some way. So I would say we have a core team of about a dozen who are helping with oh, events and performing yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Not so small because yeah. 12 is pretty good. That's a working team. That's great. Yeah. We're working on it, yeah. You had a question. I lost my question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what a, my question was um, what niche do you see Plato's filling in Bay Area Theater? What is it mm-hmm. in Bay Area Theater that made you go, wow, nobody is doing quite this. What is that this? Absolutely. Well, part of it is theater in and of itself because in uh, Castro Valley and the five cities closest to it, so between Castro Valley, Union City, Hayward, San Leandro, San Lorenzo, there's mm-hmm. less than one community theater per city. So that's not right. even close to enough for year-round opportunities. If you mm-hmm. want to see shows, you've, you got to get pretty lucky to, to catch one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, theater in and of itself is what is not being done in our area. Right, uh, but uh, beyond that, when you do see shows in anywhere close to our part of the East Bay, 
um, they I feel like they could do a lot better job at really reflecting the community in which we exist um, mm -hmm. we I've yet to see sort of the uh, the demographics of the community reflected on the stage uh -huh. and that's something that I'm really passionate about is how do we open the playing field how do we open it up wide to do classics in new ways that everyone can meaningfully participate and also do some new shows that that really um, focus and spotlight on the communities that exist mm -hmm. where we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's something that we've talked about. We've talked about diversity and casting and right. that sort of stuff. I and mean, we've had a bunch of directors and and uh, creatives and who, play, uh, yeah. yeah, playwrights, everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and frustrated actors. You know, we've had uh, Radhika Rao on, and she mm -hmm. talked about how, as a Indian actress, mm -hmm. you know, she was frustrated because there were roles that she wanted to do, but no one actually saw her in those roles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, you talked off mic about um, the the it's not just plays like full end plays, but mm -hmm. you're doing also other other things. That's right. So um, we thought about the name long and hard, and we chose Plathos Productions as opposed to like theater or company because um, we want to do more than just plays. We want to do improv comedy, stand up comedy, live performances of lots of different kinds. And I think that's what the great thing is about being a startup community theater company is that we can really expand the definition of what community theater is and expand it as wide as we want, include whatever we want. And we don't have these rules about like, well, we've never done this before, so we're not going to like, no, we, we get to fling the doors open wide and we get to include whatever we want. And I'm really excited about what it might include. Awesome. So what's the lineup for this year? Yeah, so we just had our 20, or we had our, our launch party, so our official launch party was New Year's Eve, so I'm still tired and hungover, <laughs> but wow. I'm here. No, I'm just kidding. No, and if I didn't have a cold, I would have joined, yeah. Right, right. Uh, but so we announced our 2018 season, New Year's Eve, and basically we are very excited that um, In the Heights will be our first main stage production, and that will be the first two weekends in June. We'll be putting that on in Castro Valley there at the Small Town Society space. Mm -hmm. If folks aren't sure where that is, it's immediately next door to the Castro Valley Trader Joe's. Uh, so huh. it's a it's a small space, but we are we're gonna make it work, and I think it's gonna be cool. And then uh, in the fall, our second main stage production will be. We we were so excited to have a super talented local playwright submit uh, a great a couple of great works, and we are going to put on. Four Men in Paris by the incredible Mr. Reginald Clare. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now, I was telling you that um, when I got the email from you, I was surrounded by family members. We were going somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa! Aww. And uh, told mom and dad and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we'll be... It's fantastic. Um, tell me about In the Heights. What, what's that about? Yeah, so uh, In the Heights was really sort of what, what started... Um, our, our journey as, as Plathos Productions. It oh. was the very first thing that we as a team said, you know, how do we how do we get started? What do we do? How do we let folks know we are here and we're doing something? Uh, and so we said, well, you know, In the Heights might be that show that has enough name recognition that people are going to be excited to see it. Uh, but it's not so overly done that you've seen it a million times over the last 20 years, you know. Um, and so that was our first thing was we did a crowdfunding campaign. We did an Indiegogo campaign back in October. And that was our first letting people know we're new, we're here, and we'd love your support as we raise funds to put on our first show, which will be in the Heights. And people were really excited about that. We raised over $6,000 during awesome. our, our little 30-day campaign. And mm -hmm. um, people were excited to d contribute knowing that they're going to get to take that contribution and turn it into a ticket come June 
of next year to see it. Uh, so it's it's Lin Manuel Miranda, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, so pre Hamilton, he had this in the Heights show that kind of put him on the radar for some folks and. Um, it's great. It's a musical that combines hip-hop, rap, merengue, salsa, so a lot of the musical stylings of Hamilton, but in a whole new uh, way. So it's a storyline that, that takes place in the East Coast. It's this Washington Heights neighborhood, and it's one of those shows that follows about eight different folks at the same time. And uh, But it's great. I'm, I'm really excited to put it Fantastic. on. Fantastic. Wow, yeah. that's that's a cool musical. And in, the, in that small space, I mean, they'll they'll be because um, I think you were saying that it seats fifty. Um, That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's going to be black box. It's going to be tiny. It's going to be small. But uh, but we're going to make it work, and it'll be a unique, immersive theater experience, unlike probably what anyone else has ever seen. Awesome. Yeah. That that is awesome. Now there there are two main stage plays, but there's some there's some other things going on with Playfos. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we were we're very excited that we were invited to do a happy hour performance this month. So at the end of the month, we have a happy hour show in downtown Hayward at the world famous Turf Club. Well, so oh yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The so they're great, right? So the owner there, um, he was one of the first people who uh, was really on board with the mission and vision of Plathos, and he donated, which was awesome. He's one of our principal donors, and now he's donating space and food and drinks, and saying like, if we will <coughs> do just a couple of performances from our New Year's Eve show, so a mm -hmm. little bit of improv, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of uh, musical theater, that he will host us for a free happy hour show. So oh, so when is yeah. this? So that will be Friday, January twenty sixth at 6 p.m. Coming up. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up quick, so um, we're excited to do that. And then come March, we'll have a, our next stand-up comedy show. Our first one was in November. We had that, and uh, we sold out. It was really fun. We had a, a full house. It was, it was great, and we had five comics. We'll have another five this March at the Small Town Space. Um, that will be on March 24th, 7 p.m. It's a Saturday. Um, we've also got an improv show that's coming up in May. So we have a Cinco de Mayo uh, improv show. And then, let's see, what else we got? Oh, and then we'll do another stand-up show in August. So that's kind of what our year is looking like at this point. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure other fun events are going to be popping up, too. Cool. Well, we have a lot of uh, actors and uh, creatives who are listening to the yay. And so I'm sure you'll be getting requests or, you know, people who are like, ooh, I'm a comic or whatever, so, yeah. you know, they'd, they'd want to. There's a new theater company in town. That's mm -hmm. right. And auditions for In the Heights will be the first Saturday of March. So if there's musical theater performers out there, especially Spanish-speaking ones, or if you know Spanish-speaking ones, uh, or if you if you took two years of high school Spanish, let me hear it. <laughs> Come uh, out to auditions. Hey, there you go. You might want to check. I think the Berkeley Playhouse is getting ready to do it. I think they're about to have auditions. Oh, really? Oh, you know, I think it's um, – Woodside, I saw, was doing. Oh, Woodside. Woodminster. Wood, Wood, Woodminster. Woodminster. I'm sorry. There right. you go. But the that's auditions right. are coming up soon, so. That's right. Maybe you can sit in. Maybe so, yeah. It'd be it's worth asking. Shake some hands. Meaning they're doing in the Heights, too? They're doing in the Heights, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe Woodminster's doing it in August, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I don't think Berkeley is doing it. I met with the uh, right. with the director, the mm -hmm. executive director at, at Berkeley Playhouse, and she's like, oh, I love the show, but I don't think it's for us. So, mm -hmm. yeah, as far as I know, I don't, I don't think it's on their radar mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, I think it, I think they like to to stay a little more on the PG side of things. Exactly, exactly. So I take my kids to see Tarzan over there and like uh. that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm interested in the transition. So you were an actress who is transitioning into or is now a producer. Mm -hmm. How was that, you know, you talked about how difficult it was to, you know, get into, I guess, shed the, um, the acting part of it. And I'm sure there's parts of it that you sort of miss. Right. How difficult or how easy, what is it? I mean, I remember I had just a little teensy bit of a part of transitioning. Like I had, um, 
I worked with Musical Cafe this past uh, summer in producing a little mini musical Nia, which you saw. Yeah. And it was very interesting as an actor being on the other side, recruiting actors and getting the money together and getting the props and all of that stuff. And you've had to go through that. How was that? Tra- well, then again, you did that when you were in high school. Um, but how difficult or how easy was the transition? You know, it's it's ongoing, and I'm I'm still figuring it out. I, I think the most difficult part is that um, for a while, like, like I said, I have two little kids, they're five and seven, and for a while I had to stop acting uh, temporarily. I, I always tell people that if I had named my kids the shows that I had to quit because I got pregnant, they'd be oh. Annie and Rent. Like, that's how that <laughs> went, like, yeah. you know, literally. So I, I had to take a little break, you know, having two kids right, you know, right back to back, I had to take a break. And mm. during that time, being away from acting, I, I feel like my body literally went into remission, like, or mm. like into withdrawal, rather, I guess, where I would have these recurring dreams that all of a sudden, like, you know, I'm sleeping, and the next thing I know, I've woken up and realized that it's opening night of a show, and I forgot to go to all the rehearsals, mm. and now I just need to get to the stage, and I need to get on there. You know, I would have mm. this dream once a month, every that, month. I've, I've had you that know? dream. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I, I thought that that was me being like, I need to be on stage, I need to be on stage, and so going into withdrawal of, of feeling like I, I just need to, but... Um, but ever since, like, about spring of last year and just making this decision of, like, you know, I'm ready to step out of the performer side into the production side, I wasn't sure, like, am I going to have this recurring dream every month again where mm-hmm. I wake up and I'm on stage and don't know my lies or whatever. Um, and I haven't. I think I, it's been really fulfilling for the last nine months to um, to put that energy and time and effort into giving opportunities for others instead of always sort of scrambling to get myself an opportunity. So you haven't performed? In any of this stuff? I did one duet at New Year's Eve with one of my good friends who asked me to sing with her for mm-hmm. our, our, uh, our showcase, our, our little Plathos launch party, and, mm-hmm. and that's been it. Hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how has, um, because, you know, there are a lot of skills that you have to have as a producer, like grant writing and um, management. Um, I mean, were there skills that you had to pick up? That um, that you didn't have beforehand, or I guess that, well, there are twelve, there are eleven other folks in Plethos, so maybe you have folks who who sort of do that. But there were any skills that you had to sort of pick up. Well, you know, uh, one of the ones that that came easy was the marketing piece. So my nine to five has been graphic design for the past nine years, mm. and so mm-hmm. that's been the easy part. The social media, the uh, the marketing, those are things I've done for other companies mm. and other nonprofits, other startups. I've done that for them, and so I was really comfortable getting us a logo, getting us a website. All of those things like were easy. The hard things are the things that, as an actor, I've never had to even think about so when i see your fancy board for the podcast i'm like <laughs> oh man i don't know the first thing about like any of this equipment and, mm-hmm. and that was definitely a, a, a struggle um, with as we prepared for our new year's eve show um the great thing about taking our shows to exciting venues like at this you know restaurant that we had our new year's eve show at, at is that it gives the audience a really cool experience where you know they get wine and they get italian food and they get performances which is awesome but on our side, it's really hard to get all the equipment that you need in terms of microphones and soundboards and all of that stuff. And so that has been the biggest learning curve for me is 
how do I shop for equipment that I don't know how to use? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do I, oh, yeah. you know? We're getting good designers on board. Right, mm-hmm. right. So that's that's definitely a need that we are mm-hmm. looking to fill. And, and thankfully, we have one uh, volunteer who is an incredibly talented sound uh, sound guy, but he's also really busy. And so it's mm-hmm. sort of like, how do we t- make the most use of the tiny amounts of time we have with sure. him mm-hmm. and give him equipment that's uh, that's going to work for him, that's also not going to bankrupt us? <laughs> so, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. If there's one thing that I've learned uh, as, as also as an actor and also as, a, as a, a budding playwright, having done tech and having worked with other theater companies and sort of being a flying on the wall and just watch other companies sort of do their thing. Mm-hmm. Have you had to do that? Have you worked with other companies which helped you, I guess, you know, create Plathos that you've learned from? Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. curious to hear what, what, what your experiences have been in Bay Area Theater, what other companies you've gotten to been exposed to. Yep. Yep. So um, I was cast in, I think, the second season of the Berkeley Playhouse uh, mm-hmm. production. So they had just gotten started. Oh, water. Thank you. Um, yeah, they had just gotten started, and I was cast in Peter Pan there. And mm. seeing um, how in amazing the Berkeley Playhouse was at so many different things. You know, they've got this education component. Thank you. And um, and, and their productions just – I was so inspired by everything that the Berkeley Playhouse was doing and um, and the people they had running it. And Elizabeth McCoy, the um, the founder, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. And she directed Peter Pan, so just working really closely with her. Um, so it's definitely inspiration from, from the Berkeley Playhouse. Um, and a lot of their productions um, combine youth with – with adults, right? Absolutely, yeah. So they're multi-generational, multicultural. Everything they're doing over there, I admire tremendously. So mm-hmm. a huge inspiration from the Berkeley Playhouse. Was that the first place that you worked in the Bay? Uh, well, y- you know, that that I guess it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I did high school stuff and college stuff, and that was right after. And um, college was down in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So oh, where'd you go? I went to uh, Cal Baptist in Riverside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I came back in 2007, and then I was in Peter Pan in 2008. So that was mm-hmm. uh, that was sort of the first delve into it. Um, but since then, um, since well, since having kids and trying to figure out how to make theater still fit in mm-hmm. with you know full time employment and mom life and all of that, I've been doing shows at the Three Crosses Church in Castro Valley, uh-huh. where they have a decades long history of doing huge productions. Oh. Uh, usually, it's a hundred person cast and a full orchestra of a good you know fifty uh, fifty member orchestra as Jeez. well. Uh, yeah, their their productions are no joke. I mean, when when I say I do theater at my church, people are like, "Oh, that's cute. A few kids get on stage and do something." I'm like, "No, no, no. Mm-hmm. This is a hundred adults that work for months." Yeah, I've heard I've heard Mimi taught and talk about that, and yeah. I think you you've acted with her, and yep. uh, yeah, so that's right. Very very cool. Uh, you know, we've had other people on the podcast, like uh, Cecilia Palmtag, talk about bat- balancing motherhood with theater. And although you're not an actress anymore, you're still balancing theater and the family life. Mm-hmm. All, but also, there's a wonderful uh, relationship. I mean, you talked about your husband also being in, involved in theater and how theater brought the two of you together. I think that's a wonderful oh, thing. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I would love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, what's yeah. The, tell, tell us a, a theater love story. Yes, yes. So basically, um, as I was, I was talking off mic a little bit with, with Reg, 
uh, way back when I was, you know, I, my husband and I were both like kids, you know, bike back and forth to each other's house, like that kind of age. Wow. Um, we went to a really small church, and it was very scrappy. It was like, if anyone wants to do anything, it's up to you to do it kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And he and I both had an interest in, in plays and skits and and, and drama, and uh, very quickly when, you know, I would think I was in middle school, it, it was very clear to everyone at our church, if you want to do anything on stage, if you want to do any kind of poem or sketch or drama, whatever, talk to John and Corinne, that's their thing, that's, you know, and so for years, that that was us, it was like, we would work with kids, we'd work with adults, mm-hmm. anyone who wanted to do anything that was a performance, they would come and we would write, write stuff for them, we'd direct stuff, we'd produce stuff, so we did that for years, and everybody was like, oh, are you guys dating? We're like, we just work together. <laughs> <laughs> but then eventually that that ended up happening as well. It was like everybody would joke about it, and then somehow the joke turned into reality. So. No, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, we've had Christine Urin and Jean Mosi, who are husband and wife, and they all mm-hmm. create together. We've had Richard Harder, his wife Barbara Harder. They create. Uh, they have Off Broadway West, mm-hmm. which uh, operates out of the um, the Phoenix Theater. Mm-hmm. These are couples who are together. And, you know, it's fantastic. And uh, so it's, it's always wonderful to have, you know, theater where, you know, two people come together. Right. It and becomes more of a family affair. Right, exactly. It's true. And, ba- and, and balancing motherhood or parenthood mm-hmm. with theater, is it, more di- is it difficult or is it easier? I mean, you know, I'm sure your husband helps out with, you know, parenting duties and all that stuff. Absolutely. He's been tremendously supportive of all of this. And I think you sort of would have to be a, a theater person to understand the, the passion and understand the time commitment and all that. And so he's been great about, you know, I get it. You got a, you got a meeting. I get it. You got rehearsal. I'll take mm-hmm. the kids. Go do what you got to do. And mm-hmm. that's fine. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's been that's been great. Um, but the kids, uh, they've been they've been really understanding and supportive. And uh, I my daughter is seven. And just a couple weeks ago, I heard her bragging to one of her friends and just saying, yeah, my mom started her own community theater. <laughs> wow. So it's just, you know, it's cool to see that the kids are excited about it, and they're both like, oh, we want shirts. How come everyone else has a play those shirt, and I don't have one? I'm like, all right, got to figure out how to get a really small one for you guys. Like, let's make this happen. So, Are they involved? Do you see them, I don't know, being on stage too? Yeah, well, actually, they've both been on stage already, um, not, not with Plathos, but uh, at Three Crosses, they, they mm-hmm. very sweetly l- allowed the kids to be in a couple of shows with me. So I, uh, I was in a big Christmas show and when my daughter was four, and uh, she was allowed to be in the show as well. So she had a little onstage cameo during that one. And then, of course, the following year, her brother, not to be outdone, was like, oh, it's my turn now. And mm-hmm. so he was in the Christmas show the following year, mm-hmm. and then they were both in Beauty and the Beast a couple years ago nice. mm-hmm. so they they understand what theater is they mm. they've they've experienced it firsthand and so uh, yeah so they're yeah. excited sure. let's talk about the the state of theater you know we've had a bunch of guests come on and they've talked about how they see bay area theater how it was how it is and how gentrification has sort of affected theater there are a lot of theater companies that just mm-hmm. could not for financial reasons survive mm-hmm. uh and it's it's a lot tougher it sounds like uh Plathos, Especially handling, uh, like you mentioned, the Kickstarter campaign, mm-hmm. um, or, or was it Indiegogo? Indiegogo. It was yeah. Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. So you've sort of, you've. Ma- it sounds like you guys have mastered the uh, the social media aspect of it. And a lot of theater companies haven't. They mm-hmm. still do it the good old fashioned right. way. Mm-hmm. Do you see theater flourishing or struggling? In an era where a lot of folks just want to watch a YouTube video or, you know, how do you get millennials in, in theater seats to watch live theater? 
It's true. And I'm, I definitely wouldn't say we've mastered social media, but I'm just glad mm. we had one successful campaign. And I'm <laughs> just hoping for more. But, uh, yeah. but you know, I, I, I totally hear you. And, I, and it's true. How, how do we take something like theater that's so vastly different than the way that people consume media today and, uh, and make it something that's modern, that's fresh, that gets people wanting to not only consume it, but often have to spend money to do it. And, and that's hard. How do you compete with YouTube that's free? And how do you compete with, uh, you know, so many other ways to people entertain themselves that cost nothing? You know, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. But, you know, you just, you just push through. I mean, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there is still something that is unique about uh, the live performance experience. I think that's why concerts are still happening today. Right. That's why, you know, there's just there, there's no there's no comparison to watching, uh, you know, a concert on Netflix or whatever versus being in the room and having a shared experience with people shoulder to shoulder with you. That's mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I did have a quick question. I'm sorry. Norman. No, no. Go ahead. I, a, a total random thing. You keep you keep talking about three crosses, and it finally yeah. occurred to me. I'm like, wait a minute, are you talking about? Are those the three crosses that you see when you go five eighty? Yeah. yeah, yeah, those are right? those are yes. the ones. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. like three crosses, three crosses. Where's? Yep. Oh, wait a minute. Those I gigantic know what that is. 150 foot crosses that you mm-hmm. see right at five eighty two thirty eight right there. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's the church. It's about three thousand members and huge, uh, huge. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to take a visit to Three Crosses. It you sounds should. like an exciting, yeah. exciting church to, uh, to go to. Absolutely. I did have a question as far as being a woman in theater. I know you're not on the stage anymore, but we've talked in a couple of podcasts about how women, I mean, 2017 was, uh, was a, I, I would call it a watershed year as far as just how, I've, I've, you know, um, media has said it's the year of the woman where you know we began the year of 2017 with a protest against trump then you have the weinstein scandals and uh and sexual harassment and uh bill cosby was put on trial and acquitted for you know sexual harassing a bunch of women not harassment but rape Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and we've also talked about as far as theater is concerned how women are treated on the stage we had one guest come on and she talked about her experience uh, being in a rehearsal space, and there was one intimate scene uh, that went a little too far as far as her tastes were concerned, and she wanted someone to just check in with her, and it just wasn't happening. Um, have you had any bad experiences, or how do you feel as a woman, both as an actress, I know you're not an actress anymore, but also as a producer, your responsibility to making sure that the the uh, the theater experience is a a warm experience or, or a pleasant experience. I want to toss something else into this, too, just yeah. because I've been reading it a lot this week about The Last Jedi, mm. um, and particularly Melissa Hillman, um, who was the artistic director of Impact Theater, mm-hmm. um, wrote – she has a blog, and she was writing about the backlash against the idea of a f- strong female protagonist mm. um, who is not presented in the traditional way of presenting women. So she's – you know, her clothes are practical clothes for somebody in her position. When she goes to grab some tools or something, the camera is not lingering, lingering on her ass. Sure, <laughs> sure, right, you know? right, exactly. Um, and so she's pointing out how this may be stuff, the sort of thing that is boring mm-hmm. to, um, to you know, particularly men um, who are used to seeing films in a different way. Sure. And they don't know how to articulate that. So they say, oh, it's not interesting or it's really boring or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like, well, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, do you see from the perspective of a woman 
how storytelling is affected and if it's changing in a way that doesn't use those old tropes. Mm. It's true. And I mean, that's definitely something that I'm going to have to think about as we, um, you know, as we start doing shows and as we present women on stage is how do we do so in a way that empowers and, uh, and, and shows women in their best possible light and not sort of sells them at their cheapest possible value. Mm-hmm. And I think right. that that's exactly what you're talking about with the tropes is sort of, uh, you know, what's going to put butts in seats. And often right. that's not the best uh, for, for the women that are on stage. And, and thankfully to your question, I have not had any, any of those sort of awkward or bad experiences, and I'm thankful for that. Um, and I would, I would hate to ever put anyone in a situation where they would have to deal with that. Um, so yeah, so I, I, you know, I've been lucky with, with doing as many shows as I have. I've, um, I've, I've been working with really great people in terms of the cast and the, uh, the producers as well, who have made sure that it's always been a positive experience and, um, you know, and I want to, I want to do that for others as well. And, um, the casting is, is more the, the piece that I'm, Uh, excited to sort of put my fingerprint on in in terms of selecting shows that are closer to that 50-50 ratio where we know that as theater folks the vast majority of roles are written for men they're cast by men and um, yeah yeah, that's right and then and the production side too it's it's majority male directors and male producers and all of that and so uh, often I think um, the female interests are just nowhere in the realm of consideration they're just not you know they don't even have the voice at the table to say like um you know this show is great but can we also consider this one or Mm -hmm. uh, this actor would be great but did you know she could probably play it just as well or you know right right, that's exactly right i've got the um the latest counting actors uh thing as well Mm -hmm. so the um the women women working i forget what exactly Mm -hmm. what it's called but i've got that information but it sort of addresses that um it's funny because you end up getting into a political world when you do that, when you right. make those choices. And right. the challenge is, how do you do that and still make it interesting theater, right. vital theater, meaningful theater? Yep. And, you know, um, Ubuntu is just starting rehearsals for Streetcar Named Desire. Mm-hmm. The casting, there's been a little flexibility in what they're doing with casting. And mm-hmm. I, w- I don't want to give things away, mm-hmm. but um, I sat through the first read, and it was exciting to go. One of the things the director talked about was blurring – the sort of we're not doing a period piece, so we're not strictly living in the world that the play was written in. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to allow those resonances that feel very contemporary to us to come through, and see how, in some ways, that is reflective of what was going on then. But also, not ignore the fact that we can't look at this story without referencing the lens that we have, and it's it's an interesting challenge. It's exciting when you were able to accomplish it, and it's. Really interesting when you put that audience member in that uncomfortable place of going, wait a minute, this wasn't what I expected. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do that as well. I'm excited to sort of push the boundaries a bit. Um, and that's that's not a lot of what you see sort of in, in our part of the East Bay. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, Ubuntu here in Oakland is doing that. And I'm, I'm excited. And I've seen uh, a couple of their shows. I'm excited to see more. And, and I hope to bring a little piece of that to uh, to the Castro Valley area as well. It's like how do we, um, like you said, how do we make it interesting, make mm-hmm. it exciting, but also do something beyond just entertain people? That's That's the big question. Mm-hmm. One quick question for you. Uh, we've talked about equity, non-equity. Um, are you opening up um, roles for equity actors? Or are you, are you, are, is Plessis at the position or, or not quite yet? 
I, I would not say we're, we're there yet. Um, we have the intention of becoming a 501c3 nonprofit this year. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that that's going to happen. And when we do, it will allow us to at least have some kind of like guest contracts or something like that for equity actors. But um, at this point, we aren't at a place where we could hire equity actors. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just hoping we can give stipends that will allow people to not be starving artists so that we don't mm -hmm. perpetuate that. Of course, that, of course, yeah. You know? Uh, so that's the first goal is let's just pay something, mm -hmm. and then right. and then we'll work up towards let's pay equity, let's pay equity actors what they really deserve as the mm -hmm. talented performers that they are. Yep. So let's. I'd mentioned the uh, counting actors, mm -hmm. and I pulled it up, so I would have it oh, works. Cool. Works by women, San Francisco spotlighting. Theatrical work written, directed, designed, performed, and produced by women in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I love that their little photo mm -hmm. is word for word the company that I'll oh, nice. start rehearsing with in about a week. Um, so the December count. Uh, and it's funny. So it's Counting Actors Project is what the project is called. Mm -hmm. And it's on WordPress.com. That's their little oh, home for this. And it's self-reporting. Anybody can report. So, oh. and I, in fact, just I just posted it saying, you know, don't wait for the producers to do it. The producers have plenty to do. If you're mm -hmm. in the show or you just saw the show and you want to support it, mm -hmm. you anybody can report. Oh. So there were eleven shows that were reported. Um, it says it brings their total up to just under a thousand shows since wow. this project started. Oh, okay, That's fantastic. Cool. Um, and so in different categories, uh, playwrights there were thirty. One transgender, 11 women, and 18 men. Mm -hmm. Directors, 28. There were 18 women and 10 men. Union actors, 27. 11 women, 16 men. Mm -hmm. Non-union actors, 109. Two transgender, 58 women, 49 men. Mm -hmm. Total actors, 136. Um, the shows included, and I thought this was wonderful, Civil War Christmas. Mm, cool. Annie at the Berkeley Playhouse. Yeah. All is Calm. Around the World in 80 Days. Participants. The No Christmas Carol, Partition, uh, Watch on the Rhine, The Black Rider, Christmas Story, and The Secret Garden. And, you know, so it just, you know, goes on to give a little more information about who was reporting it. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad because I did a show in December and I didn't think to report it. Ah. And it was produced by women mm -hmm. and largely directed by women. There were women writers and, of course, a big part of the cast. So. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. Yeah, so yeah we'll, we'll continue to. Yeah, because I've noticed you've been – and there's another website that um, – don't, don't that don't you um, – For the film? Yeah. Uh, grade My Movie. Oh, oh that, yeah. And I, I love that because you can – before you go to the movie, you can look it up and see mm -hmm. what grade it got. You know, what is the representation? What is the diversity? Mm -hmm. You know, just give you some basic – and not just the yeah. people in front of the camera, but also the crew. Yeah. And, you know, how – how is this being supported? Mm -hmm. yeah. I have a personal question for you just as a a person, as an American. Are you surprised with uh, how how 2017, I guess, the election of Trump and all of the, the chaos that happened in, in 2017? I mean, did it did any of it surprise you? I mean, what do you what do you think about um, this is sort of a social we, we do this current events sort of thing? But sure. how did how did it hit you last year? Uh, I, I feel like on the day after the election, I experienced all of the stages of grief in a process <laughs> of about 24 I've, hours. I've heard, you know? I've heard that before. I think there was some <laughs> denial and some, uh, some shock and, you know, anger and all. I, I feel like I experienced the, the whole gamut. Um, but, you know, 
really, even leading up to the election, I kind of, my, my position was sort of, you know, if this person that I have very little respect for gets elected, um, I'm not afraid of him so much as the story that it tells about America. And that's, that's what really, um, disappoints me the most Mm. is, you know, a president can only do so much. Uh, And the reality is in four years, the best that a president can possibly do is implement stuff that will be actually accomplished after he has gone. Like it just takes so long. The wheels of everything take so long. Mm -hmm. So I'm not one. I mean, sure, there's the off chance that he might say something crazy and something crazy might happen. But I I don't think that's the the most likely scenario. I think Mm -hmm. it's it's more likely that very little will happen, per se, uh, legislatively. But it's just about the story that it tells in terms of electing somebody who has made who he is so abundantly clear um, and who has consistently been that person since the time he started running and to today. You know, there's been no sort of bait and switch. There's been no, you know, nothing. And um, that was the most disappointing thing to me is just um, having to think deeply about, like, the state of our nation where it could be divided up in such a way where people would overlook some of the most horrific statements that a person can make Mm -hmm. and say they are still worthy of of being president. Um, I think that's that's a hard reality. And then also the the social piece about, uh, you know, with Barack Obama's election and just thinking about how he had to be the top of Harvard and how he right, needed exactly. to have this exactly. bar that was so high. Yeah, the black person met. has to be the absolute, absolute best. Well, absolutely. I yeah. mean, had he had one divorce, had he had, you know, one exactly statement, right. you know, right. one, mm-hmm. one statement that was anywhere close to the line of inappropriate and he would have never been to where he, he was. And yet um, we are clearly in this crazy land where anything can be tweeted, mm-hmm. anything can be stated on film, on camera, on recording anything can anything goes for for trump and um right and that 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 i think has been a really deep uh sadness for me is to say that the bar is so vastly different between mm-hmm. these two yeah it's unfortunate i, I don't know if you'd call it either white i mean I, my, my get my two thoughts are white privilege you know in, uh-huh. in a massive scale I mean, right. you know trump has never had to adhere to anyone's um i mean you know a public servant is usually a person who cares about people and mm-hmm. who is willing to serve people. And he's never had to serve anyone in his entire life. Right. That's one. And two, it's amazing how unified the Republican Party is when it comes to electing someone. Seemingly, right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's that's the take that I have on it. We've well, the, third, di- go ahead. the third thing I would throw in on that, though, is we have to look at how dissatisfied people have been. Sure. Because we couldn't have gotten here otherwise. I mean, like many politicians, he was talking out of both sides of his mouth constantly. So you can actually go back and get clips of him saying, I'm going to do this, and then saying he'll do the opposite. Absolutely. You know, and so Mm -hmm. people chose to listen to what they wanted to listen to. Why were they so willing to do that? And I think if we don't look at that piece, we're mm-hmm. going to find ourselves in similar situations again and again. Sure. Right. I mean, you know, let the, let I, I say let Trump make as many statements as he wants and let him, you know, give him enough rope to hang himself with and then tell the Republican people this is this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is the fruits. This is you know this what? Is the, and the then tree. we'll we'll promise to brand the rope as a Trump rope and then he'll buy it. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> 
you, we've been, we, I've been talking ex, off mic. We were talking about Foreman and Paris. You asked me, you know, what are the themes of it? And I'm trying to tie it in with Dr. Cornell West and Tynesha Costa, uh, who've been dying to talk about right. Norman and I. Um, so in a nutshell, to make a long story short, Foreman and Paris are basically about the lives of Richard Wright, James Baldwin, Chester Himes, narrated by Ollie Harrington about the spring and summer of 1960, where they're in Paris. And they're debating about a lot of things, um, but mainly, where does the black person stand mm -hmm. in the cusp of the civil rights movement? You know, this is just in the beginning of Martin Luther King's career and right. the beginning of the civil rights movement in America. And how these black men sort of uh, deal with it, and each man has their own trajectory. And I wanted to tie in a little bit with, so a couple of weeks ago, Tynesha Coates was attacked by Cornell West on, I believe, the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, and Tynesha Coates is a young black writer who wrote, I believe, the piece is called "There Are Eight." We were eight years in power, mm -hmm. which is a series of eight essays, essays yeah. which were made into a book. Right, and it's a it's a bestseller. Mm -hmm. Did really really well. Right, and I think you know was a best uh, New York Times bestseller and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. My assumption is that Dr. Cornell West got a little jealous and attacked him to basically say, well, you're adhering to, you know, the liberal white person and. Right. And well, and, and to be even more cynical about it, he's got a book that he's pushing. That's Cornel right. West the anniversary of his his book. Yeah. So it's suddenly like, oh, no, listen to me. Talk, mm -hmm. I, I can. And if you're paying more attention to that guy, then I got to attack that guy. Sure. Yeah. It, it just seemed ridiculous. I mean, to the point where Coates had to pull down his Twitter account. Which is a shame. I, and I'm, sh I'm, I'm sad that Tanisha Coates had to do that. Well, I think he did it to make a point. I don't think he's going to be out of that social media spotlight. I think he, he will find other ways. But mm -hmm. that, that way, he's not giving Cornell West this platform. Yeah. He's like, yeah, no, go find some other way. See if you can find somebody who will pay you to do mm -hmm. this because I'm not going to let you do it for yeah. free on my dime. Yeah. But a fascinating theme, and it plays into, you know, in the turn of the century, there was Booker T. Washington and, and, and against W.A.B. Du Bois. Bois. Yeah. There, in the middle of the century, there was uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Right. So these themes tie in. That's I'll, a neat way of putting it. Well, I, I think so. And with the Richard Wright, James Baldwin thing, you get that the exactly. father, the son, the must, son play, must play the must, father. Yeah, and I ha and there's a scene in that, both also in Before the Dream, the the, right. uh, the piece that Richard Alabama created. Right. And also, you know, I touch in, onto it on Foreman in Paris, right. where you have two black individuals saying, "Hey, we're trapped in white man's America. What do we do? Right. Do we assimilate? Right. B bend the knee. Right. Or." Do we fight, even if we it causes pain for us and for you know those surrounding and us? And how do we fight? Yeah, and because how do that's we fight? part of what this is. Is Cornell West has been fighting in his way for all these decades, right? Coates is he is definitely reaching out to a more diverse audience, mm -hmm. and yeah, you can say that on some level. Actually, I don't think that's true. Cornell West was reaching out to an intellectual audience, so right. the majority of his audience was not black. Right. You know, that is who he has been getting paid by, to mm -hmm. be crude about it. Mm -hmm. Now Coates is getting paid by the same people, a newer generation of those right. people. And Cornel West wants his share. And it's like, well, yeah. that's fine, but earn it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> there's earn a, there's a 21st back. century. And, I mean, I can even connect it to Get Out, the wonderful movie yeah. Yeah. Oh, by yeah. um, Peel, Jordan yeah. Peel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
which should win an Academy Award, I would think, mm-hmm. at least for I best original. I don't even know what category to put it in. <laughs> That's true. That's the only true. thing we know it is is it's not a musical. Right, <laughs> right, right, exactly. Not a comedy. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put yeah. it in comedy, but, but it's exciting right. to have. You know. Yeah. Well, well, he didn't claim it as comedy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's social commentary that you know yes. you either laugh and you speculate right. and you debate. I mean, we're debating. I mean, and that you get movie. very uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Exactly. I kept trying to laugh, but I'm like, you know, I don't think I'm supposed to. I'm, I don't I, know. It was I, hard. Yeah. I, I saw it at Bayfair, and oh, we laughed because that audi- <laughs> it was yeah. a black audience. And uh, then I saw it uh, again uh, over here in Oakland oh, yeah. with the more white audience. Mm. Oh, it was so different. Mm. I'm sure. Yeah, there was not the commenting. There was not the uh, discussion going on. Yeah. It was it was hilarious. Mm. Yeah. And you, it's basically a 21st century black writer. Right. It reminds me so much of Spike Lee. I mean, it was Spike Lee in right. the late 80s, 90s. Yeah. He was, he was the intellectual black writer that wrote right. about these issues, which were very different from other right. black writers or, you know, the black comedy that we're used to, you know, right. sort of. I don't want to say a Chitlin circuit, you know, sort of, you know, he laugh definitely track. avoided yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so, basically, you know, the theme is, you know, you have a young 21st century black perspective. Yeah. And I even talked to my younger sister Nikki, who is a black millennial. Okay. Who thinks of life completely different from, let's say, you know, our generation, sure. you know, Generation X, who still held on to. I mean, you, I'm sure our parents told us about, hey, Martin Luther King marched the street, and we were in the March of Washington. I participate in the Million Man March. Right. And so we like, you know, you hold on to it and you keep on fighting and the, you know, the, the, the fight is still alive. The vocabulary is growing though. So we've got uh, code switching, for example, mm-hmm. right. which has been around forever, but my grandmother didn't talk about that. My mother didn't talk about that. I would not have thought to talk about it. Now these young people are talking about it. And so you're saying you need to understand the reality that puts somebody in a position where they have to switch the way they communicate in order to better mm-hmm. address the issues of the day in order not to get caught up in the old trappings of it's black and it's white, it's this right. or it's that. And I think it's great to see this happening, but the number one thing that I noticed from it, you know it's being effective when it makes us uncomfortable. Yep. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable at well, all. It's it's a challenge because in theater you want to balance like in a stage combat scene. If it looks like I really clocked you, mm-hmm. then the audience is now worried about you, the human yep. being true. you. Yep. That's but true. if I do it and it's well staged, then the audience buys that. Okay, you Reg didn't really get hurt, but your character just got hit in the mouth. Yeah. Right. And and you stay in that world, so yeah. you don't want to make people so uncomfortable that they disconnect from your yeah. storytelling. Absolutely. People have do, do two different. T- takes on that. Sometimes I don't mind pushing the edge so much. Right. Like I remember doing stage combat and I remember there was a debate as far as how do you slap someone? Sure. And someone was like, well, just, you know, have the hand, you know, an inch away from the face. Right. And someone else will make that slapping sound. And I didn't like that at all. I was like, well, hey, you know, what if me being slapped has my hand here and you just right. hit my hand right. and I just jerk it? Right. Oh, it's going to be too close. You're going to be hurt. No, no, no. Let's just rehearse it. And, right. and if the audience feels uncomfortable like you've been slapped, like you know, like out in the middle of the street and all of a sudden you see a confrontation, right. all of a sudden there's excitement, but there's also unease. Right. And I would think that's what you would want. So there are different takes. You know, right. some folks are like, hey. Let's make it safe and make sure the actors are safe. And someone like, let's push it as close as possible. And, let's and make you're sure. not going to please everybody. Yeah. So oh, you yeah, have to decide who is that audience you're going for. Yeah. Right. Now, 
Folks on the podcast can't see, but Karen, you are African American. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I'm half, I'm half black and half Mexican, and so uh, nice. uh, that's right. So, so into the heights is perfect. Yeah, you know, a little bit of everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But when you were a child, I mean, were there conversations by uh, your parents about black issues? So um, I was actually raised by my grandmother, who mm-hmm. is Mexican from Michoacan, Mexico. And, right. um, and so I have a very unique uh, sort of experience because um, – so my, my dad was black, and he passed away when I was in high school. And, mm. um, and so – and my parents divorced when I was very young. So I didn't have a very strong connection to my dad's side of the family, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we, w- we would have a close enough relationship that we would see each other at Christmas and, you know, Merry Christmas, here's a gift, see you next year kind of a right, thing. Right. Um, uh-huh. But it was very difficult because those sort of issues of color and race and uh, those things were not uh, discussed in my, my, my family. So Now, did you – were you know, there are a lot of times, like, I remember not really having to address those issues because, you know, I grew up in Washington, D.C., which – in the 70s, whereas the chocolate, chocolate city, city. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone was black. Right. So, you know, there was really no big deal. But sure. when I went to NYU, mm-hmm. which they called NYJU, <laughs> all of a sudden I was a minority. Right. And I remember, um, not that it popped up all the time, but I remember being in my first year and I was waiting for a class to open. And I remember singing a gospel song. Mm-hmm. And a couple of my classmates were really offended because they were like, oh, you're pushing your Christianity or you're pushing yeah. your black thing. Well, we're Jewish. We're going to sing our Jewish song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, okay, that's strange. I didn't expect that. Huh. Mm-hmm. But as have you ever had to deal with, let's say, I don't know, someone addressing you because of the color of your skin or just that you are, you know, a person <laughs> of color? Sure, <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've definitely had those experiences, you know. But I, I will say that I, it was a total blessing being raised in Union City um, because mm-hmm. it is incredibly diverse. And, right. it, you oh, know, awesome. it's, I, I mean, honestly, my, my middle school was more, both my middle and high school in Union City were more Asian than anything else. Uh-huh. And, um, and so... I didn't even really understand what race in the Bay Area, in America, like I still feel like I'm in a bubble that just doesn't um – it, that doesn't represent what the vast majority of America mm. experiences mm-hmm. because yeah. the Bay Area is a bubble in and of itself. Right. It's quite diverse. And Union City, I think, is probably more diverse than most, most places. Of the Bay Area, yeah. It really yeah. is. It really yeah. is. Um, so, but that's not to say that I, you know, never experienced adversity. And when you were talking about code switching, that's mm-hmm. that's a huge uh, piece for me. You know, every kid's you got their bullying. You know, I've never heard bullying. that term. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Term. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning that's you switch your diet. Like when I right. speak to a white person, I speak to a white person. Of is okay. I grew up with my grandma, and okay. I'm from Indiana, mm-hmm. and my grandmother, you know, Indiana is basically the, the, the farthest north you can get in the south. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just has that, and it has that dialect, mm-hmm. and she very much spoke with a black dialect mm-hmm. until I saw her talking to a white person, uh-huh. and suddenly this voice I had never heard came <laughs> out of her, and this vernacular that I had sure. never heard came out of her. Yeah. And it scared me mm. because I was like, I don't know who you are. She became a completely different person. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, wow. So now I learned a huge piece about what it is to operate in this larger world. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I guess I've done that before, but I never knew what the term was. Like, you know, like my, my dad would always talk about, he went to the office and had to deal with the white folks, right. and all of a sudden he's at home and right. he's, you know, talking to his family members or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that is interesting. But that's what I'm saying. They yeah. actually label it now. It's actually spoken about where right. it, 
it was just done. Yes, <laughs> yes. But right. nobody, nobody had the time or energy to worry about saying, this is what I'm doing. They were just surviving. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that was something that I'm, I'm still, you know, I still have to deal with. Like, every kid has their sort of bullying story, and uh, and mine was definitely the, the only sort of bullying that I ever got was typically from black girls in particular oh, who, no. who would feel like by you not speaking the way that we speak, by you not dressing the way we dress, by you not listening to the music we listen to, you are actively rejecting us and right. you're offending us. Wow. And, right. You know, wow. and so girls that I didn't know wow. at all would go out of their way to make fun of me publicly because I wouldn't speak the way that they would. And, right. um, and like mm. I said, not growing up with the black side of my family, I didn't have this sort of um, code switching ability that I could draw from. And, sure, you know, sure, and sure. That's, that's the hard part about divorce is I would have loved to have had two parents in there to give me the, the both pieces <laughs> right. that I need and so that si hablo español but then also I can be like girl let me tell you you know like yeah. I need to <laughs> I, I need want to show that you like, need to do that sort of stuff true. it's yeah. true but yeah. it's the world we live in yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy, I'd love to keep talking more because I love the subject. I know, but we we, we're hitting the uh, the one hour mark. We should sure. definitely. Thank sure. you so much uh, for. Did you have fun? This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast, and I can't wait to keep connecting with you guys and being a, a faithful podcast follower for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Follow, follow ups, birthdays. Um, you go, you, I'll let you go first. Uh, Richard Reinhold, uh, an actor I met through um, Shotgun Players. Um, his birthday is today. And Colin Johnson. Uh, Colin Johnson. Yes. You know, there are two Colin Johnsons floating around in the I theater world. It, no. <laughs> I, this one works with uh, Tracy. I met him through Tracy Potter and then through a company called Round Belly, which is, is he no real tall? Around. He's kind of tall. Yeah. Um, he's Young. been doing a lot with Piano Fight. Okay. Um, he directs. He writes. He produces. Okay. He's been – and I did a webisode with him, so. Matter of fact, when we when we last did a Richard Wright, I think we did like the 100th anniversary of Richard Wright. It was Uncle Todd's Children. Uh-huh. To speak, uh, you, it was the thing that you had. Um, we did it at a bookstore. Oh, the and readings was, and stuff. And there was a Colin Johnson there. Was that the same guy? No, Colin Hussey. No, no, not Colin Hussey. Colin, Colin Johnson. Johnson. I don't think it was this. Okay, guy. never mind. It might have been, but I don't think I don't think I knew him. Back I'm disturbing then. your flow. Go ahead. No, um, other birthdays coming up this week. Dave Garrett, who mm-hmm. I've worked with for many years, um, with Each One Reach One. Okay. Playwriting instructor, actor, director, wonderful. Um, Lisa Hori Garcia is a local actor. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mangle this name. Anja Runes, local actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig Dickerson, who is oh in the world. Yeah. And his birthday is coming up on you know, Tuesday. He's got this crazy Christian go. podcast, man. He's, you know, Bible thumper, him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to hear that crazy Christian podcast. Yeah. you got to have faith. Oh, yeah. 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 You guys will have to have a special guest. Yeah. Um, Kelly Hopkins is somebody I met through Each One Reach One. Van Duke, uh, actor, was... I'm not sure if he's acting anymore. He's down in L.A. now, and he's a personal trainer. And I didn't know he could do this, but, like, all these people, I don't know if it's Skype or whatever it is, but they tune into him, and they get to do their, their morning routine with him. Hmm. Pretty impressive. Becca Fink, local actor. Danielle Kane, local actress. Um, Greg Bryan, I'm not sure if he's local anymore. Um, he's an actor I met where, when I met him, he was doing a lot of commercial and TV stuff. And so back and forth between here and L.A. Mm-hmm. Michael Anthony Torres, uh, many people may know from Laney College. He runs an apartment there. He, I would say, is like sort of the godfather of Ubuntu. Um, he's a member of Campo Santo. He's an incredible performer. Cool. 
Um, and then uh, David Bates, an actor. When I first got to, somebody paid me to direct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have to do any producing. I just yeah. had to come in and direct that show. Um, this actor, David Bates, was one of my uh, leads, and his birthday is mm-hmm. on Friday. So happy birthday to you all. If you have shows coming up, let us know. We'll be happy to put the word out. Awesome. So birthdays today, Emma Elizabeth Mercier, a fantastic young actress. I was shared the stage with her on 110 in the Shade mm. at the uh, Douglas Morrison Theater. Uh, her birthday is today. Mark N.A., uh, who is a young actor, uh, he, let's see, he and I were, I know he auditioned for 110 in the Shade, but he, he does a lot of work at the Doug- Douglas Morrison Theater. His birthday is also today. Um, Kelsey Poe. Has a birthday on the seventh. That's tomorrow. Mm. We talked about Craig Dickerson. Uh, <laughs> there's a wonderful. Also on the ninth is uh, Rona Sidiqui, uh, who oh, is Rona. a uh, piano player, huh? That's right, Rona. Rona, yeah, that's right. Matter of fact, uh, when we did, um, what was it the Gong Show? The Gong Show. Rona's now a composer who works a lot in New York. Yeah, nice. yeah. Nice. Writing on off Broadway. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Rona. I'm sure she's listening to the podcast. Off Broadway. I hope so now. Hey. Uh, and on the 10th, Paul Baird McCormick. Uh, Paul Baird, he uh, shared the state. Uh, he was uh, in, ah, shucks, uh, what is it? Uh, Head of Gobbler at the, um, for Off-Broadway West. And is that it? That is it. I'm uh, tapped out. But, uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Um, so let's um, – Shout out. Yeah. Um, I've got – and I'm trying to see if there's an actual thing for it, but it doesn't seem to be. Um, I'm doing a show called Summer, Winter, Spring, um, time-lapse performance film, and we're going to be doing um, – it's going to be at a gallery the, in the Minnesota Street Projects in San Francisco. Uh, we're having an opening event on January 13th, and so there will actually be live performers. This is um, – I've talked about it before, this time-lapse That's right. That's right, the time-lapse That film. we were yeah. doing at uh, the uh, Union Plaza uh, – mm-hmm. Union Plaza, the UN Plaza yeah. um, in front of Civic Center. Yeah. Um, and there's a wonderful clip that I posted that shows just a bit of what it is. Mostly it was us moving really slow mm-hmm. and the world moving around us at normal speed. And now oh, you should send me the spread. Earl so I can put it on the uh, – Okay. Yeah. I will. So, yeah, thirst, uh, the 13th is a free thing at the Minnesota Street Projects, and then we'll be doing an actual two nights of performance, the 26th and 27th. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's coming up, and then Lucia Berlin I will talk about as we get – <laughs> farther down the road, but we'll start rehearsals. I start rehearsals a week from Monday mm-hmm. for that project. Okay. Uh, our good friend Kari Moy is in Harry and the Thief. Oh. That'll be performing um, January the 6th, today, 2 p.m. Now, oh, back uh, in, two, in an hour and a half at the Museum of the African Diaspora. Oh, a diaspora, yeah. Yeah, diaspora. So that is, uh, yeah, that's the only plug in. Is that uh, Lorraine Hansberry? Yeah. I believe so. I think it's Lorraine Hansberry Theater reading. Yeah. So So that's that. Uh, did you want to go ahead and plug, um, uh, Corinne, uh, what the, up, the latest upcoming, yeah, the upcoming. Yeah, so uh, next next chance you have to see some Plathos performances would be Friday, January 26th at 6 p.m. It's a happy hour. It's free over at the downtown 
uh, or I'm sorry, the world famous Turf Club in downtown. Which is Hayward. just a couple of blocks from BART. Yep, that's right. You can take the downtown. I used to do karaoke there, so. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. They have a nice karaoke setup. They yeah, do. downtown yeah. Hayward. Speaking Bart. of karaoke, we'd be remiss, but there's a memorial that's oh, happening right now. It's, yeah, it's happening right now. And, and, and tomorrow. tomorrow from noon to six, um, Rod Dibble, the piano player yes. at the piano bar, died. The alley, yeah. Yeah, the that's alley. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not to cut I'm, in on I'm going there yeah. afterwards. But yeah, oh, the nice. Turf Club yeah. is a wonderful spot. It's easy to get to. It's yep. gorgeous. Yeah. And they're supporting you guys. Hallelujah. That's right. They have a beautiful like outdoor tiki bar. It's awesome. So yeah, that'll is be fun. Is it B Street or is it just off of B Street? It's just off of B Street on okay. uh, on Main, I believe. It's I think mm-hmm. Main and B Street. Uh, and then the next uh, the next opportunity would be in March. We've got our auditions for In the Heights coming Yay! up. So yeah, so come out to that. That'll be the first Saturday in uh, in March. We'll have those auditions in Castro Valley, and you can connect with us at plethos.org. That's P L E T H O S dot org. And we'll have a link. List. We'll have a link. Yeah, that'd great. be great. Thank you. Yeah, or Facebook, Instagram. Just connect with us however you can, and we'll make sure you find out about auditions, and then. Uh, yeah, and then in, at uh, March 24th, we have our stand-up comedy show in Castro Valley as well. So um, don't miss that. Stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. EJ, when is uh, Streetcar? Ubuntu Theater is doing a Streetcar. When is that opening? That opens uh, early February. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's we'll, coming we'll up. We'll, 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 yeah, we yeah. will. We'll get to it. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. I'll give you my uh, blurb. You can find the Yay. Of course, you're listening to the Yay already, but you can tell your friends. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app. If you have an iPhone, an iPad, that's uh, that purple um, uh, icon app that you have that you hardly ever use, just go and tap on that, search for the Yay, and you can find us. You can also find the Yay on iTunes if you listen to a podcast on a laptop or a desktop. Just click on iTunes, click on Store. Don't worry, you won't have to buy anything. Use the search engine on the upper left-hand side and search for the Yay, and you'll find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com. Yeah, you don't even have to download it. Exactly, and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, just hit us up on Facebook, and we will take it from there. And we've got to find a better sign-off. And we are out. (laughs) 